How many hours has it been? How many hours has Petra sat down in this cargo hold, sitting on an uncomfortable wooden box, watching over the dead, empty computer screen attached to the strange, floating brain belonging to the AI, simply known as Subject Alpha? Having completely lost track of time in the eternal daylight aboard a spaceship, she simply does not know. Has it been hours? Days? A week? Since she has last slept? No, it can't be that long. I definitely haven't gone crazy yet, she says out loud, with no one around to answer her rhetorical question. She looks back towards the blank screen in front of her, waiting almost willing for it to do something for her to justify her time spent looking at it. As the slow seconds seemingly eternally tick by, Petra's mind begins to wander, drifting upon the twilight of human consciousness accompanying sleep deprivation. She thinks of the past and she thinks of the future, anything to stop thinking about the present. The days that she has spent staring with bloodshot eyes towards the abomination in front of her. She thinks back. A decade? No, it has been longer than that now. To the rigorous teachings and training given to her and her twin sister during their upbringing by a strange fellow by the name of Mr. Daisuke. Mr. Daisuke was a constant figure in Petra's upbringing, somehow connected to her family via her mother, although in which way exactly, Petra was never made aware of. Mr. Daisuke was both a tutor, a bodyguard, and a personal trainer for Petra and her twin sister, Amari. Amari and Petra always maintained a constant sibling rivalry between each other. They grew up together, they more or less lived together, and they trained together, and they also were tutored together by Mr. Daisuke. All of this led to the constant butting of heads between the two girls, although they also shared a certain special bond that can only really exist between twins. Her mind wanders off again as she stares deeper into the murky darkness of the cargo hold. Why was she so obsessed with Subject Alpha? She tries to dig deeper into her memories. Back to the teachings from Mr. Daisuke. Back to those early lessons about the Exodus. About the horrific war that plagued humanity before the arrival into the Forge. Perhaps she was wrong. Perhaps there is nothing to fear from this one. Perhaps this AI is different. She narrows her eyes. No, that's just the tiredness getting to her. She shakes her head a little bit. I must not let my guard lapse. She says out loud to herself into the murky darkness around her and reaches a hand up and starts itching at a scratch on her face which can never be itched and her mind drifts back a decade. Back to the last time she saw her sister. Back to when she was still beautiful and unscarred. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome back to One Guy, One Roll, the solo RPG podcast where I, your host, player, and GM Hero Cities, play role-playing games for your listening pleasure. I am happy to be back from being out of town for the last week or so and can't wait to record the rest of this podcast and continue our story within the Forge following Nikora Sokolov and his crew aboard the Second Chance. 
As always, thank you so much for taking the time to tune in and listen to the podcast. I greatly appreciate everyone who takes the time to listen, and I sincerely hope y'all enjoy listening as much as I enjoy recording them. I feel like perhaps recently Petra has been a little bit overlooked and neglected by the show. So this introduction, I wanted to show a little bit more of her backstory, especially growing up as a member of a noble family with her twin sister, who we now know is Amari, and the fact that she really kind of had a sheltered childhood. Maybe not sheltered is the right word, but basically the entire time she was under the ever-present vigilance of Mr. Daisuke, her tutor, bodyguard, and trainer. Of course, something happened between Petra and Amari in Petra's early 20s that drove them apart. Petra now is in her early 30s, so that was about a decade ago, and seemingly whatever happened between them, whatever events occurred around Petra's departure from her family, also seems to be tied to the horrific scarring on her face, neck, and shoulders that otherwise mars her very naturally beautiful features. I find that the dynamic between Petra and her family is both one of the more interesting areas that we have yet to really explore within our story, and just the whole nature between the nobility, the guilds, corporations, and whatever that interaction means for the government of the entire forge. Something we haven't really dived into much. We've seen snapshots of worlds that are managed in different ways. However, nobility has really only played a minor role in our story of the forge so far. Of course, given that the majority of our story is being dictated by random rolling of the dice means that likely any preconceived notions I might have for this interdynamic relationship between these different ruling spheres of influence may be entirely different when it actually comes to seeing them in our story of the Forge. So, moving away from Petra's turbulent past, last episode saw a fairly dramatic change aboard the second chance. Despite his best intentions, Tinker accidentally seems to have potentially merged the consciousness of Subject Alpha into Chance's software when he was attempting to enlist help from Chance in order to diagnose what was going on with Subject Alpha itself. This, of course, left Petra who is naturally suspicious of artificial intelligence and would be happy to just blast Subject Alpha right out the nearest airlock, distraught over this situation, as she seemingly will not budge from her watchful guard over the brain belonging to Subject Alpha floating in the box aboard the Second Chance. Nakora and Tinker have come to the conclusion that without having some sort of specialist in either AI or even perhaps VI's virtual intelligences like Chance on board, even just disconnecting Subject Alpha from the ship may lead to them not even having the functionality of Chance, who, while not integral to entering drift space and navigating around the forge, 
nonetheless keeps them from having a bad jump and also simplifies the whole process for Nikora. So they've come to the conclusion that for now, whatever is going on with Subject Alpha and Chance should be allowed to continue as long as it doesn't interfere with the actual situation on board the Second Chance. Beyond these internal developments occurring on board, we were able to come full circle back to where we first started this season, back to the planet of Tyr and the soul settlement around this large Jovian world called Osius, the home of Creed, who originally gave Nakora his first iron vow to go out, retrieve the memory core from a space station called Prosperity, and return it to him. Of course, as we know, this memory core ended up belonging to the AI known as Subject Alpha, and the rest, of course, is history. Well, 32 other episodes of history. Upon arriving on the ammonia harvesting and processing facility of Osseus, Nakora left Petra and Tinker back aboard the Second Chance while he set off into this rough industrial processing facility to try and recruit somebody, or at least find somebody, who's skilled enough in computer hardware that might be able to duplicate this memory core or maybe at least give them some sort of idea about what they could do. However, one horrifically botched role later, Nakora found himself led deep down into the bowels of the industrial processing centers aboard Osseus, where two strange men with clearly cybernetic body parts knocked out Nakora, perhaps meaning to rob him, perhaps meaning to kill him, perhaps something else entirely. That we will have to find out today. Of course, as we have been doing routinely, we do have a couple of clocks to roll on in the background. Hasn't been a very long time, so I think it's 50-50 they're going to progress. That is a yes and a no, bringing one of our clocks to the twilight hour of it coming true, with 9 out of 10 spaces filled, while the other one has retreated to 3 out of 8. With a potentially very exciting episode 33 in front of us, without further ado, let's get into it. Searing hot fire races through Nakor's skull. Disjointed memories slowly begin to knit themselves together. Did I just get back from some kind of crazy drunken bender? Nakor mumbles aloud. No, wait. Nakora tries to get to his feet in order to stand up from where he was laying on the ground and discovers, much to his dismay, that his wrists and ankles are both bound. As the fog begins to clear within his head, he remembers being led down deep within the twisting and ill-maintained industrial alleyways of the strange cloud-like city floating settlement of Osseus. Wait, but what was he doing? Wait, Creed? He was trying to find Creed. Splitting pain once again races behind his eyes. That's right, he was here to return the memory core to Creed, but then it dawns on him, he was trying to get a replica made of the memory core. Or at least find somebody who could perhaps copy the information on the memory core before handing it in the original back to Creed. However, what had happened 
That's right. Deep within the bowels of the stinking ammonia-infused industrial corridors of this processing city, he was more or less jumped as he went through a doorway, checking himself over as well as he can with his hands bound. Nakora realizes that he's been stripped of his weapons, including his boot knife. What to do now? The fog in Nakora's brain recedes somewhat, but still a sharp pain remains in the back of his head where you can feel a lump starting to grow from where he was whacked by one of the... What was it? A man? A robot? A cyborg, Nakora settles on. Something strange is going on here. Naturally concerned about his predicament, Nakora glances around the room that he's being held in and squints his eyes as much as he can to see within the dim, murky light. He can clearly see that he is trapped. Is there any kind of door to this place? I think it's very unlikely. No, there's no door to this place. We rolled a 39. Is there... Oh, is uh, is there even any way that Nakora can see from inside of here a way to get out? Uh, I think it's 50-50. 49. Yes, there's a way to get out. Is it some sort of access point from above him, like on the ceiling? I think that's likely. 89, so a no. So there's no door. There's no, like, trap door up above him, but there is a way in and out. As Nakora, his eyes straining against the deep gloom of this area, is about to get frustrated and think he's been sealed in some sort of box or something. A very well-concealed but now noticeable hatch on the floor pops open, revealing a sickly-looking man. All around his eyes and visible skin on his face is inflamed and starting to peel, probably from the prolonged exposure this man has had to the ammonia-rich environment of this industrial hellscape of the lower portions of Osseus. He turns his sallow and forlorn gaze on Nakora, and trains a pistol onto him, motioning with it for Nakora to come towards him and follow him down the hatch. With a little bit of difficulty, given that his ankles and wrists are bound together, Nakora manages to rather unceremoniously dump himself out of this container that he was being held in, and his eyes react immediately to the irritating atmosphere down here. All around, now that the gloom is a little bit brighter, he can see better, are tanks. Big tanks, like bedroom-sized tanks, like the one that Nakora was being held in. But tanks nonetheless for holding liquid ammonia. The little bit of light that was able to come into the container that Nakora was being held in are these portholes that allow you to check the level of pneumonia inside of these various containers. All in all, quite an effective containment cell for holding somebody. With the seeming indifference of leading a dog on a walk, the man simply gestures with his gun for Nakor to walk in front of him. Struggling with his ankles tied together in the cluttered and claustrophobic industrial environment of this place, it is hot and cramped and full of various cables and other discarded industrial equipment. 
Despite Nakora's slow progress, the man never really shows any kind of emotion or even offers any kind of help to Nakora. After falling flat on his face, attempting to cross a rather greasy and slippery patch of grating, Nakora finally turns to the man. You're not one much for talking, are you? The man simply looks back at him, saying nothing. Well, are you going to kill me? Because if you're just going to shoot me, you might as well get it done with. Can Nakora get this guy to say anything? We're going to make a compel roll. In this case, we're attempting to... Well, I guess charm's not the right word, but just attempting to get this guy to interact with us even a little bit. So, we roll plus heart, which for us, as always, is a one. We rolled a two on our action dice and a ten and a seven on our challenge dice, which means a miss. On a miss, they refuse or make a demand that costs you greatly. Pay the price. So, not only does this sickly-looking, haggard, underweight man not open up to Nakora, but he also lets out a haunting laugh, showing that the man has maybe seven teeth in his entire mouth. Nakora's spirits are a little dampened by all of this, and despair begins to settle in. We're going to take endure stress of one to our spirit. They're going to kill me, Nakora thinks to himself. Then they're probably going to try and take my ship. These must be some sort of pirates or something like that who live in the bowels of this reeking place. Well, maybe not pirates, but certainly some sort of criminal organization. What can Nakora do about this? He's been in predicaments like this before. He's going to try and endear this stress. So we're going to roll plus spirit or heart, which for us are both one, and we're going to attempt to resist this. See how Nakora actually feels. The dice gods are absolutely not with us. We rolled a nine and a ten on our challenge dice and a big fat one on our action dice. A miss, it's worse than you thought. Additional minus one spirit or lose momentum. We're going to take the minus two momentum, which brings us down to three. As Nakora gets led deeper into this station, they start passing by more or less condensation chambers where they, this is total bullshit science by the way, where they take these harvested clouds of ammonia and functionally cause them to rain, to go from being a gas into a liquid form, which then they can basically bottle it up into one of those containers where they were keeping Nakora previously in order to more conveniently ship the product throughout the forge. And these condensation chambers are huge. And as they pass by them, the foggy, purpley-pink nature of these clouds unsettle Nakora even further. If they simply threw him into one of those tanks, he shakes his head, losing a little bit more of his drive. He's in a bad spot. He's more or less a prisoner. After winding their way through the industrial complex for another 10-15 minutes or so, they come to a ladder, which Nakora looks down at his bound hands and looks back to the man escorting him, who simply shrugs, and Nakora is expected to climb this multi-story ladder up to a higher level above him. 
in this case, Nakora starts to formulate what might be a desperate plan. Looking at the ladder and how the man expects him to go up above him, Nakora starts to think about a way he might be able to use this to his advantage. This would be with, ooh, it's a tough one. This is going to be with deception, stealth, or trickery, plus shadow for us. That's a two. Come on, dice. We really need this. Okay, we roll a two on our action dice, which is a four, and an eight and a two on our challenge dice, so a weak hit. On a hit, you succeed. On a weak hit, choose one. We can either take plus two momentum or plus one on our next move. The real question is, is Nakora going to do something stupid? Well, we rolled with Shadow, so the answer is yes. Starting his way up the ladder, Nakora has ascended partway up, maybe 10, 15 feet. As the man below him puts his gun away and starts to climb the ladder underneath him. Now, this has been really challenging for Nakora. I mean, it's barely possible. He's clinging on with his hands in front of him, unable to move his wrists, with his ankles bound, although they have a little bit of play. Either way, it's very slow going. Nakora's plan is to let go and drop on top of this man, literally getting the drop on him and seeing if he can come to some sort of advantage. This is, well, it's not combat, at least it's not combat yet. So this is going to be face danger. And I don't know if it's with iron or shadow. I think this one, since we were able to use shadow for the last one, is going to be with iron. Iron for us is a one. Plus one for our securing advantage gives us a plus two. If this goes poorly, it's not going to be good. RNG Jesus, please be with us today. Okay, that is exactly what we needed. Rolled a four on our action dice, so a six. And a three and a five on our challenge dice, so a strong hit. On a strong hit, you are successful. Take plus one momentum. Nakora glances down from where he is on the ladder, seeing the top of the man's head about 15 feet below him as he starts to climb up the ladder. Fuck it, Nakora says as he lets go of the ladder and comes down feet first onto the man, knocking him clean off the ladder and onto his back. Being taken completely by surprise, the gun in the man's holster goes skittering across the floor, and Nakora takes the bonds that have been tying his wrists together, gets them around the guy's neck, and begins to squeeze. You gonna talk now, you bastard? Nakora says through gritted teeth. The man merely lets out a wheeze, as what little air he's even able to get into his damaged lungs was knocked out of him by Nakora, who is not exactly a small man, landing on top of him. Kor pulls it even tighter around the guy's neck. I'll kill you if you don't start talking, Nakora says with determination into his ear. We're gonna go into Une and see if he's actually going to respond. Using our binary response table, he is now hostile and wants to be forthcoming just due to the change in circumstances. We got a 30, which is affirmative. With the man being in such a compromised position, there's little he can do. So he stops struggling and puts his grimy, filthy, peeling hands in a submissive pose. Nakora very slightly releases the pressure on the man's throat. I want answers, 
Nikoris says with little room for negotiation in his voice. Who are you? Who do you work for? What the fuck are you going to do with me? After having a nasty, phlegmy, blood-speckled cough, the sickly man, with a tattered and sharp voice like trying to speak through a throat full of glass, croaks out, The prophet. The prophet sent me to get you and bring you to him. The prophet said I would be rewarded. Slowly making his way to retrieve both the sickly man's gun and managing to find a sharp surface to finally cut the binds that were holding his arms and feet together, Nakora turns back to the man. Who is this prophet you speak of and what do you want with me? The man simply shrugs. The prophet is the prophet. He will lead us to freedom. Free us from this cage of rotten flesh. Knowing he wasn't going to get much more out of the man, Nakora debates what to do. He won't shoot him. That's not his style. Knocking him out might be the same thing. So in the end, Nakora gets at least rambling information from the man about where the prophet is and then uses the binds that were originally tying Nakora to tie the man up in some dingy, dead-end corridor within this ammonia-condensing section of the station. Tucking the gun into his belt, Nakora begins the long climb up the ladder to where the man said that this prophet was waiting for him. Nakora needed answers, and with whatever slight advantage he has now obtained, Nakora was planning to capitalize on it, figure out who this prophet is, what he wants with Nakora and his crew, and to get the hell out of this stinking, poisonous processing facility. Hand over hand, foot above foot, the exertion of climbing three or four stories of a ladder has left Nakora's head pounding yet again. However, upon reaching the top of the ladder with a gun in hand, Nakora discovers something he did not expect. Tucked away, far from the prying eyes of the populace which lives above, away from the well-trodden paths of the workers take, it dawns on Nakora that he's been here before. He's met somebody here before. The walls are familiar. The path he's trotting is now familiar. This is where he met the strange robed figure known as Creed and his strange associates, and it dawns on Nakora, the same robed figures who knocked him out with their cybernetic parts were the same ones who had been accompanying Creed when they first met. Perhaps it's all just been a misunderstanding. Perhaps Nakora shouldn't have underestimated whatever weird shit this cult leader has been up to. Either way, it certainly seems as though they've grown and gotten stronger over the last year. And to see exactly what's going to happen, we are going to roll to fulfill our vow. When you reach the end of your quest, roll the challenge dice and compare to the progress. We have 8 of 10 boxes filled. We rolled a 1 and a 5 on our challenge dice, giving us a strong hit. It was a dangerous task, which gives us two ticks on our legacy track, allowing us to complete the first box of our quest legacy track. This gives us two experience, which is the first experience we've had the entire game. However, what this strong hit is going to look like, we're going to have to find out next episode.
as our episode fades to black on Nakora as he pushes open a door that leads to a surprising new development. Thank you, thank you so much for listening to this episode of One Guy, One Roll. I've always enjoyed the more gritty industrial nature of, I don't know if low sci-fi is the right word to use, but things where there's not like space wizards like Jedi or other franchises like that. Even Star Trek isn't really what I would consider like low sci-fi, but this certainly is. Things like the Alien franchise or like Event Horizon, even though I guess that has some space magic crap going on, but you know, that like industrial, gritty, dirty vibe. And that's exactly what we got in today's episode. The ending of the episode may have come a little bit abrupt with the sudden roll and just ending it like that, but I really wanted to frame this interaction between Nikora and Creed using whatever the result of the roll was. It would give me an idea of the flavor this interaction was going to take. If it was going to be a positive or negative experience. And with a strong hit, that definitely helps me to figure out what it's going to look like. As we wrap up episode 33 of One Guy, One Roll, I've been coming to the realization that it's going to be very difficult for me to continue to publish these weekly due to the nature of my career where I'm frequently gone one or two weeks at a time and I'm still going to try and do two episodes a month, maybe even be able to squeeze in three, but keeping up this ideal of weekly episodes is ambitious but not realistic but absolutely do not worry one guy one roll isn't going anywhere i'm going to continue to make podcasts and hopefully y'all will continue to keep enjoying them as much as i've enjoyed producing them for you Of course, as always, none of this would be possible without the absolute generous support of my Patreon members over on patreon.com slash oneguyoneroll. Y'all have been absolutely incredible helping me to keep this podcast going financially and kind of being the boot to kick me in the butt to keep ensuring I create quality content for y'all to listen to. If you're interested, head on over to Patreon and check it out. But before I go, as always, a huge thank you to everyone who supports me on Patreon, especially Journeyman Wes, Journeyman JL, Journeyman Stefan, Journeyman James, and Apprentice Sam. The One Guy One World Guild would be nothing without y'all, and I humbly thank you. That being said, I am hopefully going to be able to get another podcast recorded and edited next week. So stay tuned and keep being awesome. I've been Hero Cities, your host, player, and GM. Signing off. Have a great day and stay safe out there, y'all.